Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thanks, yo. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is a show where every week we bring you interviews with other new meds. New meds. New meds. Or news from the road. Wait, I feel like I got that all kind you of back. I got baby brain. Baby brain. <laughs> this is what happens when Alex is pregnant. Um, sometimes you'll ask her things and she'll completely forget it. Or, you know, it's just part of being pregnant. There was something the other day, I forget what you did, but like Something happened, you were like, oh, I need to remember this, and then like about three seconds later, it was gone from your thought. I literally baked a <laughs> loaf of banana bread the other day. That's what it was. And I set the oven to 325, but I actually set it to 352, which is wrong, <laughs> and too hot, and then the loaf was just so burnt, and I was like, what happened? Well, you also like didn't set the timer properly, too, something like that. It yeah, really I set weird. a timer. I thought I set a timer, and then I didn't set a timer, and I was like, oh, I should probably check on that. kind of right. smells like burning. Anyway. That was basically the update from the road. <laughs> <laughs> right now, we're kind of just chilling at Alex's parents' house while we're waiting to have this baby, um, as well as renovate our camper van that we bought that is a 1985 Sun Raider at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts for us, uh, and we will be back on the road soon. That's what we're looking forward to. But after three and a half years of being on the road, it, it was finally time for us to take a little bit of a break just because of life throwing different things at us. Mm-hmm. The more pregnant I get, the more kind of glad I am that we have a little bit of a home base Yeah, and that we have the medical care and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely nice to be working on the camper and seeing like the vision of the camper come to life. Yeah. We're definitely every day unearthing old things that need to be replaced. And Frank was just saying to me today, he's like, you know, I really wish that we just started from zero because at least from zero, you know exactly everything that's going in. You know what's behind the walls. You know how the walls got up. You know how everything got sealed and all of these things. Whereas with a classic camper, every day is a new adventure. Woohoo! Not really woohoo, but you know that's <laughs> kind of the the deal. You know, I think I know for next time that even if I get an old rig, at least I'm starting from scratch. Like I'll rip everything out next time. Yeah. Maybe we could reuse some of it, but like realistically, everything's got to go. Yeah. Yeah, that that's, you know, that's just what we're dealing with at the moment. But today we have a really special episode. This is the one really for the Patreons too as well, because you get to enjoy the full exclusive podcast uh, with no ads at all if you come over and join the Patreon. And yeah, well, you'll get a little more information, a couple more articles, and we can have some more fun together if you come on over there. Mm-hmm, for sure. So today we have a really good lineup of articles, and we're excited to dive in. The first is basically a public service announcement 
for van lifers traveling this summer or always. I feel like summer is probably just worse because there's more people on the road. Yeah, everybody's excited to get back on the road. Not everybody loves winter van life. I know that we do. You know, we're just different when it comes to that. But winter van life could be a little bit more difficult, you know, just because you have to have a heater or something to keep Mm -hmm. you nice and cozy inside your van. You could get away without doing it. But yeah, summer's the time where a lot of people get off of work or, you know, if you're a teacher or something like that. So everybody's out there traveling. And also a lot of people who own like, say, fifth wheels or Mm -hmm. like more like adventure kind of vehicles, not like your everyday full time van lifer. They get out on the road, too. Definitely fifth wheel season. Yeah. So here's the thing about the difference between the fifth wheel and the van lifer, right? The van lifer is normally in a rig that could fit in a parking spot. Right. So if you ever pull up to any of these places where it's like a rest area, you really have to keep in mind about the truckers. So this is the article. It's from trucknews.com. It's called Van Life RVs Put the Squeeze on Truck Parking. So the growing trend in van life combined with summer vacationers and recreational vehicles and campers are adding to the struggles of truck drivers who are already competing for limited parking spots in rest areas and truck stops. And so we've seen this a million times on the road. You get to that certain hour of the day and all the trucks kind of need to get off the road. And I would even say we've been the culprit at one point in time. Like we've been parked in a truck spot, not realizing that it was such an issue. You know, and then, uh, you know, the trucker is pulling up and they have to like they have to get there and shut their rig off. Otherwise, they get in trouble. Yeah, there's actual timers in their vehicles and they're only allowed to be operating the vehicle for a certain amount of time to be safe on the road. I mean, it's their job. So they are literally working while they're driving. And these are standards in the United States and Canada. I don't know what it is for Mexico and Central America. I'm just not really sure of their their laws. But I know for a fact that the United States and Canada are very strict about these things with their drivers. They don't want people getting hurt on the road. So we have to make way. And we have to park in regular parking spots so that way they could park. And if you see a trucker pulling up, you have to give them basically like the right away to take your spot. If there's no other spots, you basically have to give it up. Mm -hmm. And so the one time that this happened to us, we were in, were we in Lolo still? Yeah, we were in Lolo still, yeah. Yeah, so that was our first rig. So this would have been our first couple of months on the road. It was in Utah, actually, Mm -hmm. right by Cedar City, I think. And so we pulled off uh, to sleep for the night. And so in our heads, we're thinking, well, we're bigger than a car. And then the other one says, like, truck, camper, you know, over here. So, like, larger vehicles. So we're thinking, okay, well, we're a larger vehicle, so we should probably go to the large vehicle side. And on that side, you'll normally see the kind of really long parking spots. Mm -hmm. So there'll be like one next to the next to the next. And they're just like long straight spots rather than like a car park where you would have one spot facing another spot and then a laneway, one spot, another spot and a laneway. Mm -hmm. So we pulled into the front of one of these long spots thinking, okay, maybe like another camper or something could come and stay behind us. Mm -hmm. So we settled in for the night. We had made dinner. I think we were just hanging out watching a movie or something at this point. Next thing you know, I'm like, oh shit. And immediately jumped in the driver's seat, turned on the car and moved the vehicle because I knew the guy had to park like in my mind for whatever reason it just was like get out of his way and let him park i feel like we talked to him for a minute he was like hey like i need this spot i have to shut my car off like right now or my truck i was like no problem no problem i got you and i pulled out you know he was thankful but like you might not get that 
every a nice time. A yeah, guy. Yeah. And he was obviously like a little bit frustrated or whatever. He was like, mm-hmm. hey, like I need this spot. Like I need to shut my vehicle off. So us, we're like, okay, whatever. We jump in, we turn the car on, we move, literally go around to the other side of the rest area, pull up in a regular parking spot and slept for the night. No problem. Yeah. Also, just on a side note, for the van lifer, it's actually much quieter on the car side. Yeah, you don't have to hear the truck running all night long. Yeah, or even like the trucks, because they only have to be off the road for a certain amount of time, and most of them are trying to beat the traffic, beat whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be starting their vehicles up at like four in the morning to get rolling again. So do you really want to be sitting next to one of these when it starts like cranking on to drive for the day? Yeah. I kind of think that might have been what happened when we were at that Love's, but we were parked in like the cul-de-sac behind it. So glad you're enjoying this podcast. And if you want to hear more about my take on this specific article, definitely go over to our Patreon, join. That way you could hear the whole entire article ad-free and get access to so much more information and maybe even get some stickers from us as well. We can't wait to see you over on Patreon. Now back to the podcast. Um, Basically in the article, it says we don't have a choice to stop the truckers. Mm, yeah. They can go a little further and find, find another spot if they have to. Maybe they're unaware of the parking situation for us, but the campers do not have to stop legally. Now, obviously, you don't want to be driving when you're tired and it could put you at risk or at danger. Yeah, and I would say that. Yeah, you're more likely to make mistakes and things like that. But so if you see these truck stops at night, what you'll notice is that every single spot is full. The on-ramp to mm-hmm. these spots are full. So you could obviously tell that, like, they're having a trouble finding places to park. Yes. It's literally chock-a-block full from the exit ramp to the entrance ramp, and every single spot in between is full of a truck. And then you're just going to bop in there with your little camper and be mm-hmm. like, oh, I yeah. need a spot. I'm, I'm Basically, what I'm trying to get at is, like, we don't know each other's situation, But we do have to take into consideration always the trucker, because if it wasn't for them. Well, and you can always look on iOverlander and see, like, where is the next spot? If you pull up on a truck stop and it is just packed, check on iOverlander. There might be something 10 or 15 minutes away that a truck can't sleep at, but you could. And so this is the other thing that the guy is complaining about. Um, So the campers that have the pop outs. So say you have a real long class A or even like a tow behind Mm because you're probably going to need the big your spot like you can't stay in the parking spot like all the everybody who could fit in a regular parking spot stay in a regular parking spot yeah but if you are one of these really big vehicles this is the problem you go in there so one guy with a a trailer is taking up three spots because he goes in there and he opens his pop outs so now you've taken the spot like the long spot but now you've also taken whoop, the spots next to you, yeah, so making it in. impossible for three people to park. So you're one guy taking up spot for three. So that's why we say when you're at a camp or like a truck stop and things like that, these are like the in-between spots. You're not moving in. No. You're not there to luxuriate. There should you, be no reason why you're popping out your, your pop out. No, like you should be able to get into the back of your camper Make a simple dinner and go to bed yeah. without having to flare out your pop outs. Yeah. Like unless you're in a space where that's totally warranted, there's nobody around you, there's nobody that needs the space around you, go crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking up three parking spots for your vehicle. Yeah, you're going to have to find somewhere else to park in that case. Yeah, some people going to get mad at you. 
Yeah, and so we're just trying to bring awareness to stuff like this because we do want to be respectful while we're on the road, especially to people who are really working on the road in the sense of, you know, they're delivering goods and they have, you know, deadlines to meet. Mm, that's how they make their living. Yep, yep. And that's how we get the things we need. So truckers are, are really people that, if anything, help us in van life because spots are there specifically for truckers and they need places to park. And if we get to, you know, reap the benefit of that here and there, then we're very thankful for that. You know, like truck stops and all the these rest area spots are actually for truckers. We just are benefiting from that aspect. And so we want to continue to be able to benefit from that aspect by being polite to these people, because then they're going to invite us in and not push us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And make it harder and make it so that you have to like pay to park at a loves in the fancy spot or things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely something to be mindful this summer as you hit the road or you're on the road, you're camping, you're enjoying. Just remember you're having fun. They're at work. They need the parking spot more than you do. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up is a brief history of van life. Ooh, I like this one. I don't know where it started or what happened. I did have an idea about like Australia being one of the places that's like the leader for it. But I'm, I'm really excited to hear this uh, this article that we ha- that you, you found, babe. Yeah. Well, so me, I kind of thought that van life started in like the 70s. Well, I was even thinking like the 50s because there was definitely some like really unique campers in the 50s. Oh, like the 60s. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. All right. So this is from signsofthetimes.org.au. So it is a little bit Australian. Ah, see? Look at that. (laughs) That's pretty good. I didn't even read uh, anything about this article. Okay. So basically it says that over the last decade, it's really exploded, obviously with Instagram and things like that. We're seeing a lot more of van life, but it actually all started... Back in 1855, where Dr. Stables, a wealthy Scottish surgeon, let's say that 10 times fast. Wealthy Scottish surgeon, wealthy Scottish surgeon, (laughs) wealthy Scottish surgeon. He had a severe case of the travel bug, um, and he commissioned Bristol Wagon Works to custom make the world's first caravan. His traveling home, which he named The Wanderer, was pulled by two horses Moved at three kilometers per hour and spent spent much time being retrieved from ditches. Hey, Alex, he was only going three kilometers per hour. And we're complaining about our 1985 van going so slow. Well, but think of the (laughs) gas mileage, though. He didn't have to pay for petrol at all. No. And I mean, it depends on what he's cooking with. But, you know, (laughs) fire, the, the, you know, the horses were a good way to travel back then. Yeah. So we actually pulled up a picture of the wanderer here. Frank was saying it kind of looks like a. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Fifth wheel, like, toe behind. Yeah, yeah, it does. Imagine having those wheels that you tell them behind. Oh, man, you'd break a wheel pretty quickly, I feel well, like. it's not even a dually. No, no, I mean, no four-wheel drive, that's for sure. <laughs> Just, uh, actually, it's eight-wheel drive. Or oh, eight-foot drive. Eight-hoof drive? <laughs> eight hoofs and four wheels. Eight-hoof drive. 
is what it is. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess he was getting stuck in ditches quite a bit. Well, I don't think those those the tires are very thin, spindly looking things. Yeah, they so. need some. They needed some volume to them. Yeah, probably yeah. sinks real quick with the weight in there. Yeah, I'd imagine like a muddy road or like a little bit of a ditch it's comes cute, along. It's very cute. It's cute. I like the little like window shutters. It looks a little bit like um like an early like train car. Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar. Okay, so. Dr. Stables had a bomb-ass time in his camper. Um, But then in 1915, um, Thomas Edison and his homies, Henry Ford, John Burroughs. Mr. Firestone. Yeah, so a couple of big hitters here. Would frequently travel to the Everglades in upstate New York, America's backroads and forests. The famous quartet was known as the Four Vagabonds. What? Though they were among the first to start holidaying in vehicles, they cannot be credited for the standard of simplistic living we see today because they would travel with dozens of support vehicles with fancy clothes, kitchen gear, and enough food and staples for multiple days. So what it sounds like to me is that like... This type of lifestyle was actually for the very prestigious people at one point in time. And now it's like looked down upon. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like the it kind complete of opposite of what it actually started out. Because, you know, if you had the opportunity to travel like this, you were very well off. Or you found a way to be well off. You know what I mean? Like, or you, you just were very simple when it came to life. But obviously these people were very well off in their life. Yeah, I think Edison, Firestone, and Ford were... Uh we're doing okay. Yeah, they did something right. <laughs> we all still know their names today. Or they stole something from somebody. Who knows? I don't know. Let's not get into those kind of conspiracies. But you're right, though. It's kind of like this type of vagabonding was for the ultra rich. Mm-hmm. Because like a regular person, most people probably couldn't even afford a carriage. They could barely afford bread, some of these people. Right. So then you're going to like take a holiday that's got to be like a very like post-World War II phenomenon where people were yeah. just like, oh, I'm taking a week off to go for like a little Trump. A Trump? Yeah. Because all you have is a horse to do it? <laughs> no, post-World War II, they definitely I know, I'm just messing. Okay, speaking of the Second World War, the Type 1 sedan, commonly known as the Volkswagen Beetle, was already being used, but after the war, Germany required rebuilding. Workers needed a light-duty vehicle that could carry flatbeds and tools. So cargo had to be moved, and it made sense for groups of people to travel together. Then it brings up Hitler, because apparently he didn't like the Beetle and wanted a people's car. So he commissioned the designer, Ferdinand Porsche, to develop something new. Porsche sketched a small, light-duty vehicle with a rectangular body that could act as a small bus or enclosed cargo carrier. And that's what became known as the Combi Transporter, which is what you'll kind of know in your mind as, like, the VW bus. Yeah, or the Combi uh, is what, like, Chase and Maria Jose have. Mm -hmm. So, guys, be careful. Because uh, you got Hitler's car. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Messing, messing. ouch. Yeah, they are super cool looking. Um, it is kind of crazy that it came from like that era, you know, and that, that time in life. And the reason why it happened was probably because of all everything that was going on at the time. Um, well, it's yeah. also kind of similar to today. If you think about these small light duty trucks that were designed yeah. for cargo, yeah. like the Mercedes Sprinter, like the Ford Transit, like the ProMaster, yes. all designed not to be tiny homes on wheels. No. 
eventually became tiny homes on they wheels. They basically either be to move around passengers or to like actually do work out of. But what was interesting that I think gave people the idea was that you could build out these spaces for a specific type of work, right? So that means, oh, if I could build it out for a specific type of work, why can't I build it out as a home? Totally. I'm on board with you, Frank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Reaching to the choir. So now we're at the new version, right? After all that happened in 1951, a British officer wanted something more for camping. He approached Volkswagen, who created the Westfalia. Mm -hmm. The model has a double side door, cabinets, folding table, curtains, kitchen setup, and even a hammock. Motor Trend claimed it could open up new vistas of freedom or escape for the humdrum life. So this is like more of the every man camper, mm -hmm. whereas the campers of before were kind of like prestigious elite rich people. You know, this is just an officer. I'm assuming maybe police, maybe military. Yeah. But what it looks like is that it uh, actually had a lot to do with the surfers on the West Coast, like picking up loving these vehicles because they could throw their boards on the roof. Mm -hmm. And they could go to the beach and camp out and catch all the waves that they want. Or they could road trip up and down the coast and have plenty of opportunity and space and time to catch as many waves and the best waves possible. Mm -hmm. It says up until the 1950s, the people on the West Coast of the States had been using small converted vehicles. Mm -hmm. But this new van, the Westphalia, offered plenty of space and opportunity for a never ending road trip. Yep. Then the 60s came into play and the Vietnam War spurred a movement of hippies advocating for peace and love. Mm -hmm. And the VW was named the Hippie Bus. So young people would jump in and start living unconventionally in these things. They use the vans to paint you know, all their logos and peace signs and flowers on them um, and take them to rallies and protests and festivals, which continued into the 70s. Which continues today, too, as well. I mean, as much as we don't I don't see ourselves as like hippies, we are very modern day hippies. You know what I mean? Like we are all about peace and love and connecting with community and we love to be a part of a community. And when we're on the road, it's great to meet people that are like yourself. And I think they were finding the same thing. And that's the reason why it gelled so well together. And you had like this, all these different types of people embrace it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just like a sign of the times, like mm -hmm. community was really big and finding your people and going to these festivals where you could, you know, commune with nature and people and music and acid. Yeah. Know? And I would say even uh, like, you know, get you away from like watching the news and or reading the paper, because back then you'd probably have more paper than news on TV or you would only get it from one source. So it's probably really great to get out and actually see the world for yourself and see through your own eyes and then be able to depict what you think of the world rather than like somebody else feeding you that information. And so I think that we're getting the same thing today uh, when we're out there on the road instead of being like, a lot of people are still sucked into their phones, don't get me wrong, but like having this digital, you know, computer in your hand at all times and being fed information all day, every day, this is like an opportunity to like get away from this and be able to like enjoy nature and meet new people and be social, you know, without having to feel weird about it. I feel like when you're in a house, like you're definitely not nearly as social as what you are when you're living in a van that's your house when you're traveling. Like we've been at Alex's family's house for a decent amount of time. And I would say that I've met way less people during the time of being here than if we were probably in our van traveling around here. Yeah, for sure. And like the people that you have met, it's because you went out of your way to like 
go play basketball or go yes. do something or go to an event. And or, if we were in the van, we would automatically be doing those things right. anyway, naturally, because you want to be out and about and, and doing things. <laughs> so now comes our generation, Frank, the mm-hmm. Instagram effect. In 2011, Instagram saw the first mention of hashtag van life. So between the 70s and 2011, van life kind of went dormant a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm sure mm-hmm. there were still people doing it. Yeah. I'm sure there were still rambling nomads aimlessly wandering, um, but it wasn't really a movement anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but so in 2011, we see hashtag van life appear for the first time. And since then, the hashtag has been used more than 15 million times. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Probably yeah. even more than that now. Well, for sure. Every day it grows more and more. But I would say that, like, for me, it wasn't Instagram that did it. For me, if anything, it was YouTube that probably helped inspire it for me. Me too. Um, because we were looking at traveling, so we were looking at different ways to travel, and we found it through there. Now, whether or not that inspired more people to go and view more stuff on YouTube from Instagram specifically, because back then it was more pictures. There was no video. Yeah. And I think the Instagram effect is great, but also very much portrays like the image of van life. Right. Yeah. Especially probably a little bit less now that it's a lot of reels. Yeah. And so there are still the beautiful reels, but also tips reels and realities reels and people actually sharing their experiences through video, which you would really only get on YouTube before. Now you're actually getting a look at that on Instagram as well, obviously in like a much shorter snippet, but still kind of a bigger picture than just like, look at this great view with this beautiful van. Yeah. 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 I would definitely agree with you that there's more realities of van life now. Like you could actually see what's happening on Instagram and you should like, you're going to be fed the most pretty shit because that's just what people like. Right. So you're going to have to go out of your way and do a little bit of research if you're on Instagram and actually put in like hashtag van life problems and see what comes up. You know what I mean? Because then you're going to get some ideas of you know, what the lifestyle is actually like on top of seeing the beautiful places or being in the beautiful places. And I will say any friends that we have that are really big on Instagram are normally the ones that have at least staged the photo a little bit to make Mm -hmm. it look a little bit nicer. Um, because that's, you know, if there's something in it that makes you feel like that would be you out there, you know, that's what they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, get that intrigue, get that emotion out of you. So Mm -hmm. you're definitely going to see some stuff that's a little bit more staged. For sure. Um, But so this article talks about how, you know, there is of course the aesthetic thing, but also sometimes it's a lifestyle choice, not a lifestyle choice, but more of a necessity. They talk about the housing affordability in many different places becoming very hard. So buying your first home is almost completely out of reach. Whereas buying your first van can be more in reach, Mm -hmm. Um, but it also stays between 2019 and 2022. The van market became like the housing market, according to Cars Guide, Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace, experienced a significant boom in the volume of searches for vans with a 30% increase in price in 2020 alone and a 38% increase in those living in their vehicles than three years earlier. Yeah, and what I find interesting about this, this is all in Australian dollars. So, you know... You're going to have to look and research according to where you are in the world to know more exactly what the cost, like if it's cost friendly or not. So like in Europe, it seems to be a little bit more cost friendly than it is here in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we were just talking with the 
German couple that we met the other yeah. day who shipped their van over and they say, oh, you know, like it's it's very popular and expensive there, too, now. So, yeah, you know, I think it's just the more demand, the higher the price. Yep, right. Yep. Yeah. And when when one person sells a van for X amount of dollars, another person hears about it and they go, oh, well, why can't I get that much for my van? And so on and so forth, because there is that that demand you know, and there's well, only so much of a supply of them at the and same And if that's time. what the market is going for, then you're yep. like, well, why would I sell my van for less? Correct. So anyways, I think that's a really cool yep. kind of look at where van life started with this rambling wagon, the wanderer, and where it is today with the Instagram generation kind of reclaiming, you know, that this is a lifestyle for the everyman, you know, whether it's a lifestyle that you're forced into or a lifestyle that you choose. Van life really has options for everybody. I really felt like we were part of the History Channel right there, Alex. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so now instead of the History Channel, let's go to the Future Channel. Ooh, Tesla coming your way. So this is from teslarati.com. Volkswagen ID Buzz Camper Experience hints at Tesla Robo van life potential. I would love this. I think it would be a really cool idea. I think the the major thing is like, I think we've talked about this several times. I feel like almost every single month we get one article that has to do with like the electronic rigs, because that's kind of the, the, you know, way we're going. Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing has had the mileage that I think that you need or the ability to like charge while stationary without having to hook up to a charger, mm -hmm. like just via sun. Yeah, I agree. But so this one is kind of, let's forget for a moment that if you want to hear my entire take on this article, as well as all the articles from today's episode, come on over and join our Patreon for a low monthly fee or annual. You can get full access to all the behind the scenes and tons of additional content and information and even some swag over on our Patreon. We hope that you'll come and join us there and join a community of amazing like-minded people who are all loving life on the road. It's a minivan. It's a mini minivan. It's kind of like a boxy SUV. Yes. Yeah. It's cute. It is. It's very cute. Don't get me wrong, but... I don't think there's a lot of like camper potential. Yeah. I, I would say that there are people that camp in their, in their cars and stuff. So there is potential, I think. And like, you could put a roof rack on it. You could do these things sure. to make it, you know, more van life friendly, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But like, once again, it just seems like it's not quite there. Like I like the rigs that like those Amazon rigs and stuff like that, that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. But that once again, that range is just not there where this one probably has a much larger range that you could go. Yeah. This website's all in German. So I'm not really exactly oh, sure. Where's our German buddies at? They could uh, help <laughs> us out with this right now. Yeah. The only thing that I would think about is like drilling down into the floor. Would probably be an issue because your battery you bank is under there. don't know where the battery is. Yeah, the whole what floor is normally a battery bank. So you got to really uh, think about how the construction of this rig is going to go. Yeah. So um, the Verge's Thomas Ricker took the ID Buzz Camper on a 2,000 mile road trip 
around Europe from Amsterdam to Milan. Mm-hmm. And Ricketts' experience suggests that the future is bright for the camper van community, mm-hmm. even as electric vehicles take over. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. I think the future is bright for it. But, like, I guess one of my questions is that we haven't read yet. Are they going to tell us, like, what his living situation was in it? Did he actually camp out of it? Yeah. At, or did he stay in hotels? So let's switch over to theverge.com. Yeah. And so this buzz is definitely more set up like a camper it's got the platform bed it's got the hatchback door on the back open i kind of like that because it acts as like an awning too Mm -hmm. and then you have like the slide out cooktop the slide out fridge Mm -hmm. um actually when we were at that canada van life event barbie had a really cool setup out the back of her minivan you can buy like tents for the Mm -hmm. back of your minivan so you could actually like pop up a tent around your you know hatchback door and really extend your living space out there um but yeah so the id buzz in this variation where it's not just a uh vehicle Mm -hmm. is a much better situation for van life but again, it's very small and tight, and he looks packed in there. Yeah, he is. He has like a little BioLite. He does have the Starlink up there. He has a small solar panel. Uh, you know, he has things that will help him. And it looks like it's a couple, actually, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to enjoy their experience. But for me, this doesn't seem like it would be like a full-time rig for like years to come. Yeah, I mean, we know people could- that have done it. Well, maybe... Not for years and something like this, but it doesn't seem like it has any kind of solar capability in terms of their battery bank because they do have to have a portable charger. They have a portable uh, uh, solar panel. Kind of like a Blue Yeti kind of thing. That charges a Blue Yeti, yeah. 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 But not not. But there's no internal battery where you could just plug in a USB while you're sleeping overnight. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have that on on the unit, but yes, I agree. Yeah. So in terms of like us for livability, I think about we have laptops, we have the Starlink, which needs a lot of electricity. We have, you know, all these things that need to be plugged in and recharged and blah, blah, blah. Us trying to do our full time life on this little battery bank would be very difficult. But, you know. I'm all for electric. Yeah, me too. I, I, I would just, I would love to see this happen because I think it would be so cool to not have to stop at a gas station, you know, and be able to power our whole driving ability with just sunlight. Yeah. And or being stationary for a week or two so that sunlight could actually, you know, charge you enough to get to you where you need to go. I think the vehicles even would be more capable eventually. Yeah. Just because, like, you would have all-wheel drive and each one could work individually. Like, yeah. I think it's a really, really cool opportunity that we have in this near future. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the market continues to grow. Um, people are buying campers every single day and people are wanting campers that aren't the giant, you know, class A, class B, class C, you know... RVs. Mm-hmm. Like RVs just don't have style. No, no, they don't. <laughs> um, so this next article that's coming up is interesting because it is a friend of ours friend. A friend of a friend. A friend of a friend. Well, and so it's just funny because I wanted to show the dichotomy of the way that people talk about van lifers. Because the first article is called Waitress Becomes Millionaire Through Van Life. And the second article 
It's called 57-Year-Old Grandmother Didn't Choose the Van Life. The Housing Crisis Chose It for Her. <laughs> yeah, it's just such an opposite end. Totally opposite end. The one from The Minute Mirror is about Maddie Taylor, who's a solo female here in the States. Um, she's got a 136 Pro Master. She converted it for really cheap. She bought it for really cheap. Um, must have been like pre-pandemic times. But so this article is just so dumb because it's basically, it's super short. I'll say that. A couple photos of her. She looks very beautiful. Um, so her cost of the van, which came out to about $12,000. And then it just says, today her net worth is 570000 USD. That's it. Like it, it, it says this takes in consideration her van, her camera equipment, and her online business. But it said she's a millionaire. $570,000 last time I checked. It's not It's not like, I'm going to, like, ooh, that's not enough money or anything like that. I'd be stoked if yeah. that was my net worth. Hell yeah. I'm not, we're not, like, in any way attacking Maddie. We're just wondering, like, how you could say that this person's a millionaire when obviously what you just wrote is not a million dollars. Right. And so even if you think about 570 USD, even if we were adding the van, the camera equipment and the online business, which we kind of did a little digging. We're like, Oh, I don't even really see her online business anywhere. We even look at the numbers of like her YouTube channel and she's doing great. She's doing great, but not $500,000 extra just from YouTube. Right. And so at the end of the article, it says her success story serves as an inspiration for all those interested in exploring van life through the United States, showcasing opportunities and friendly environments that could be found with this unique lifestyle. But like, I don't feel particularly inspired because I have no freaking idea how she did it. Yeah, no idea at all. The article is just very poorly written. We did reach out to Maddie, Maddie ourselves on Instagram to see if we could get some feedback from her. Maybe we could get her on the podcast and actually see if she's became a millionaire. Which would be dope. And then we could actually get you the real information of what it was like for her to become a millionaire on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the next article from the Globe and Mail, and it's interesting because I feel like the Globe and Mail is a Canadian newspaper and most of our news coming out of like American or other sources are about e like how great van life is and like, oh, look at these van lifers and like they're profiling famous Instagram van lifers and they're from Canada. No, from other places. Oh, okay. The gotcha. Canadian ones seem to be very much focused on the housing crisis. Mm. And so we've had a couple, the housing crisis from the West Coast, from like British Columbia, Vancouver. And now this one is from Halifax, which is on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically it's about this woman who is a nursing assistant at a hospital. She works full time um, and she was living in an apartment. She'd been there for eight years. And the landlord, you know, the real estate market got real hot and the landlord decided that they were going to just raise her rent. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find out by how much. So it looks like she made about $50,000 a year, which is not, is not, it's good, but it's not amazing, you know, especially after taxes and stuff like that here in Canada, they're taking about 45%. Well, like that. if you're only making $50,000 a year, they're not taking 40% okay. of your so salary. So they're taking in like 30? Because it's marginal tax rate. So yeah. it's like the less money you make, the less you get taxed. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so basically her rent more than doubled. Okay. Which would be a really, like, rent's already one of your busy, biggest expenses. Mm -hmm. So then to go from one of your biggest expenses to more than doubling 
you're probably going to find yourself in a situation where you have to make some hard choices. And I will say Canada is not a cheap country in general. So if her rate of rent doubled, she's probably paying a decent amount of money. Yeah, for sure. So she says she was unwilling to burden her adult daughter or find a roommate. So she decided van life, usually associated with the young and adventurous, was her only viable option. Um, so she, I find this line hilarious. Read it. I'm a grandma, not a 20 year old nomad snowboarder. I'm just a regular person who goes to work every day and lives in a van. She said, yeah. And so her van is a 1998 GMC Savannah that she bought in 2022. Um, and she's on TikTok. If you want to go find her, Terry travels. Um, but so yeah, I feel like it It sounds like she's been having an okay time mm-hmm. finding places to park, um, parking near her work, parking near the hospital, um, which would actually be super convenient because then you could just kind of get out of bed, go to work, vice versa. Um, but yeah, so she said that when her colleagues learned that she was living in her van, um, they were like, you can't do that. So, like, the thing is that I find interesting is that when people tell you you can't do something, but yet, obviously, she's doing it. And if she's enjoying it, then there should be no issue to it. Right. Where if if it was a different story where she wasn't enjoying it, it was really hard on her, all this stuff, then obviously she doesn't feel like she could do it. Right. Well, and I feel like often when somebody tells you, like, you can't do that, it's more like they're saying, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I could never do that. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to like even the people who are making the laws towards it because they're like, I could never do that. So why should you do it? And then they make laws against it. You know, like, for instance, we were talking to your mother earlier and she said how she don't think she could ever. One, she would never live out of a van. Two, she said that she could never she doesn't see how it could even be interesting living in a van by herself. Well, yeah, and she said that if she were to live in a van, it would have to be, like, a class A, state-of-the-art, luxury, luxury, all the finishings, Yes, like, turnkey ready, walk-in, you've got a gorgeous home. Yes. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is the people that don't see themselves ever being able to live in a rig also shouldn't be the ones making the laws about whether or not it's okay to live in a rig. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's obviously okay to live in one. Like, we didn't have a bad life living out of them. No. Like, we loved it, if anything. Yeah. And we weren't a, an obstruction to anybody. Right. You know? So I, I just find that really interesting because where we are now is kind of harder to live out of a rig. You know, if we wanted to be here in the county... And be able to do this full time here would be more difficult. We would have to have like specific residency, you know, type of plates in order to park in certain places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would. The the place that we are in in Ontario, you there's a lot of parking spots that are like four hundred dollar tickets if you're there overnight, unless you have a resident pass. So it's just interesting that it's pretty illegal where we are. There's a couple of harvest hosts, but not a ton. And yeah, it's just a little bit difficult. But then we were at our Van Life Canada meetup the other day and, you know, people are saying, oh, we have no trouble finding places to stay in Ontario. We've, you know, have been doing this for years and, you know, we have our trailheads, we have our park and rides, we have all these different options and we're never hard pressed to find somewhere to park. Yeah. I mean, and obviously they haven't really been coming to this area 
specifically right. because this area is more strict on it where other areas aren't so bad. Like you could live it on the streets of Toronto with one. Yeah. You know, no problem. It, yeah. It's just a a matter of where you are. So make sure you let you like look up local laws and regulations on it is very important. So obviously where she's been, she's been able to enjoy it. She does have a self-contained toilet. She does use public washrooms and she obviously is finding places to park. I think one big thing that she has going for her is the job and them allowing her to park there. Yeah. Or like park nearby and then she can go in and like use their facilities and stuff and use their little kitchenette and whatever. Um, she does say that at the beginning it was a lot to stay on top of, which I feel like every van lifer kind of goes through this feeling of like, oh my God, like what about the water and what about the cooking and what about the, you know, getting rid of the waste and, you know, da da da. And it's like, yeah, it feels overwhelming. Where am I going to park? Where are we going to go? Where am I going to drive? I will say, I feel like it's that for any time you move into a new place and like just in general. So if you move from house to house, like you got to get used to the feeling of this new particular house and how it works for you. And, you know, when the garbage person comes and picks up the garbage, but van life, I would say is two to four times more than that, because you have to figure out, you know, those things by yourself without, you know, knowing what the schedules might be in that area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything is trial and error. And especially like for us, van life was all about like, moving, right? Like we were hardly ever in the same place very often. If we were going to be in one city, it was usually so that we could explore. So like we would get up in the morning, go drive somewhere, go see a different place, and then maybe circle back to the same spot that night, maybe circle back to a different spot. Mm -hmm. So we weren't really like using the same spot to sleep over and over and over again, or staying you know, put in one spot all day long, living out of the van. There was definitely places where we did that, but for the most part, we were moving along pretty quickly. Like we would right. spend a week maximum at certain places, but when we were in a place, like say it was a Walmart parking lot or a Cracker Barrel or something like that, we would never spend more than a day there, like actually physically being there. Like we would be out within the first couple of hours. Yeah. And, th and then, you know, if we had to come back there, if we couldn't find something else, we would. But, For sure. But like, I feel like most of the time where we were spending extended times places, we were in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Or somewhere off grid or somewhere that was like allowed mm -hmm. or somewhere that was, you know, more camper friendly versus yes. like a parking lot in a downtown area. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think it's kind of incredible how we were able to find so many spots that were actually very van life friendly people who were very open to it. You know, I, I would say it's more rare that you find the person that is against it, mm -hmm. you know, or even the city that might be against it. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about San Diego and how they're cracking down on it and blah, blah, blah. But that's one city out of thousands. Like how many, you well, know? Well, in San Diego used to be like a van life hub. Right. You know what I mean? It used to be very open to it, blah, blah, blah. But then it, it started to increase in volume of people. And then they had to crack down on it because of certain situations of what people might have been doing, parking in the parking lots, you know, not emptying their, you know, their dump and their stuff properly. And so this is the things that kind of ruin it or 
stop places from allowing it. And so for me, that kind of brings us back to our very first article of the truck stops. If we want to be able to keep staying at places like that, we have to clean up after ourselves. We have to take only one small spot or not take a spot from a truck. You know, you don't want that people to look at the van life community or the RV community and think, God, these campers. They're annoying. Worst. They're the worst. Oh, <laughs> God. Well, and, and I would even go a little further is like, even if you see any garbage or debris or anything that's not even yours, but it's there and you could see it, pick it up, you know, get rid of it with your garbage. Even if it's a little bit, you don't have to clean it all up. But if you could pick up a couple things and the next person does the same thing, it's going to create a chain reaction where we are the ones cleaning the areas and people are going to love that about us. So I would say the best thing you could do is share this information with other people. That way, if they're going to get into van life, they know this information. You know, that way they don't have to find out while they're on the road. They, they should know it now before they get on the road, you know, or if you're on the road and you don't understand this stuff, listen to stuff like this and you'll see why. You know, the major thing is sharing information with each other. That's going to better your, be more beneficial and better to make life on the road more sustainable for everybody. Totally. And if you did enjoy this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, share it with another van lifer, share it with that van lifer that maybe needs to hear this. Yes, we all know one. <laughs> we all know one. Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm trying to think. Do I know one that I would be like, oi? I don't know one specifically as like a friend, mm -hmm. but I've seen one. Sure. You know what I mean? Like when we were on the road, I've definitely seen somebody leave a mess at their spot. Sure. And then we go and we pick it up after. Right. But like, I don't think that I could remain friends with somebody that was just, or like imagine caravanning with somebody. And then every time you go to leave the campsite that you've been staying at for a couple of days, they've just left this giant mess. Oof. Like, I'd be like, hey, buddy, like Either you clean this up or I got to go. Love you. But this is not cool. But do you love them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love you enough if we're caravanning right? together. Yeah, it's true. You know. But yeah. So if you if you enjoyed this, make sure to leave us a review. Five stars if you can help get that podcast out there. So that way we could help other people enjoy their life on the road and create a longevity of this lifestyle for each other. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to hear the full uninterrupted ad free version of this podcast, come on over to our Patreon. It's as low as $3 a month to join. And it really helps us create content like this, stay on the road and well, soon put food on the table for our child. <laughs> well, we're going to breastfeed anyways. Doesn't matter. You can only breastfeed for so long. The kid needs food on top of that, Alex. <laughs> we also need to put more food in your body yeah. so you can create that breast milk. I need more food. <laughs> so come support us on Patreon so that I can feed our baby. Basically, I already eat enough. Alex needs to eat more. We're just kidding. But we really appreciate the support. And we've got a great community of people over there. And we're so thankful for each and every one of you who support the channel, who watch the YouTube videos, who comment on the Instagram post. It really you know, helps us have this lifestyle of freedom and travel and providing all this information to the community. We love you guys. And we hope that you have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Van life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel. FNA Van Life. All that.